Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. Today we continue in our series on the fruits of the Spirit and our senior pastor, Perry Duggar, will deliver a message on faithfulness. You can find our weekly message outline and many other resources on our website at brookwoodchurch.org or on our Brookwood app. You need God to hold you today. And have you experienced God upholding you in whatever situation you find yourself? We continue our spring series, Cultivating Character. Take out your message guide. If you're new to us, the front two panels are this morning's outline. And the passage is from the Fruit of the Spirit. That's the, the um, series that we've been going through. And that Fruit of the Spirit is found at Galatians chapter 5. And a couple of verses there, 22, 23. So we begin reading there on your outline. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. So do you produce it? Who produces it? Now hold on to that. Hold on to that. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. The Holy Spirit develops these character traits progressively. As we pursue God, as we live in His presence, as we talk to Him and listen to Him, as we align ourselves in worship, as we read, as we study His Word, these continual changes are conforming us to what? To Christ, yes. We're being fashioned, formed into the image, the likeness, the nature of Jesus. Romans 8, 29. And that's also called what, theologically? Yes, sanctification. So sanctification is being molded into looking more like Jesus. Or spiritual maturity. We sometimes refer to it that way. And remember, I've said this a couple of times. The measure of my spiritual maturity is what? Y'all, went, y'all got quiet. What's the measure of your spiritual maturity? Who said that? Yes, you deserve a hand. My goodness. I know some of y'all said, oh, fruit, fruit, fruit. No, no, no. Don't give me that. That's a cheap answer. The measure of my spiritual maturity, it is a true answer. Fruit is a true answer. But if you want to know how mature you are, you don't see how many verses you've memorized, how much theology you've mastered, how many Bible studies you've been through. How much like Jesus do you look? That's the definitive measure of your spiritual maturity. So do you look like Jesus? And are you looking like him more as time goes on? Are you recognizing the appearance of spiritual fruit? As we go through this series, we should become more aware where these fruit are budding in our lives or where they're not on display. 
Now, we don't develop them all at the same time, but they do develop together progressively. And we should develop all of them if we're going to end up looking like Jesus. Today's focus is on the spiritual fruit of faithfulness. Faithfulness is an English translation from a Greek word, pistis. And it means, I've got a little brief definition there for you on your outline. Living by belief in the reality of God revealed in the Bible. So faithfulness is the conviction that the Bible is true. That it accurately reflects the nature of God and life. You say, well, that's not what I thought faithfulness was. I thought faithfulness was keeping your promise. I thought it was, you know, you show up for work, you do your part. Yeah, but that's sort of, that's sort of an Americanization of the word. But the Greek word, and remember, these are spiritual fruit. They're all about faith. So if your punctuality is motivated by who you are in Christ, that's an example of faithfulness. If it's motivated, motivated by you fearing you'll get fired, that's not necessarily the spiritual fruit of faithfulness. It might be wisdom, but it's not faithfulness. The Greek word pistis is translated faith, also faithfulness, also belief, also trust. All of those English words come from the same Greek origin. Is that surprising to you? Well, how do you determine when a certain word is used? The context. But the word, the Greek word, contains all of those different meanings. Faith, belief, trust, and faithfulness. In fact, some translations identify the fruit of the Spirit not as faithfulness, but as faith. Faithfulness, you see, is believing that God is who he says he is, that he does what he says he does. And so faith and faithfulness are linked in that way because both rely on the identity of God and on the reliability of his truth. They're indivisible. A faithful person is someone who is full of faith in the existence of God as reported in the Scripture and lives his or her life accordingly. The theme verse on your outline, Hebrews 10, 23. This is from the, the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. So he can be trusted. See, when we're born again, our faith is expressed in every aspect of our life through faithfulness. Our lives are guided by living according to the whole Bible. Not merely embracing a few passages about salvation and rejecting all of the instructions regarding lifestyle we disagree with. It's interesting in our culture, isn't it? That you don't find, you don't find hardly anyone who disputes 
heaven or doesn't want to go there. So people embrace God in some vague way. They embrace some sort of eternal life, heaven, in a vague way. And yet they often dispute the teachings about moral behavior, about generosity. And yet they come from the same source. What's the source? Well, it's God, but more, more directly than God, what is it? It's the Bible. It's the Bible. Look at Habakkuk 2.4. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves. In other words, they follow their own opinions. And their lives are crooked. But the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. Which means God's word, God's instruction, God's direction. So here's the mirror as we start. Do you possess faith? The related. Are you living a faithful life? First, faithfulness is present in God. Lamentations 3, 22. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Faithfulness is a characteristic of God. How many of you consider yourselves faithful? So your mercies are new every morning. How many of you get frustrated with people? How many of you get angry when someone ignores what you've told them for the fifth time? How many of you pitch a fit when people ignore what you're saying? Now, who was it that said they were faithful? Because what I read is God's faithfulness is new every morning. And God's mercies, what did it say? It's not up there anymore, is it? Yeah, there it is. His mercies what? Never, never cease. Wonder why? Because God's faithfulness is based on his character. Faithfulness is part of his identity. And guess what? The degree to which we lack faithfulness is our immaturity. We can only have faith in a faithful God. You can't trust a God that's not trustworthy, can you? We can only trust one who's trustworthy. That's where, that's where Yahweh, Jehovah God, is unique among religions of the world. I've been in India and been in Africa. The Hindu gods are capricious. You know what that means. They change. Their moods change. Their temperament changes. So the people are trying to express enough adoration to keep from getting punished or mistreated. Allah's the similar way. 
You do these things, do these things, do these things, so God will not punish you. Is that fair? That's not our God. God is faithful. His mercies never cease. He's, they're new every morning. Every morning. 2 Timothy 2.13. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny who he is. See, we're talking about God's identity. God's not capricious. God's not angry. God's not irritated. Though God may want your life to align with his spirit. But he's dealt with that sin. The faithfulness of God refers to his complete dependability based on his unchanging character. It means he's truthful. It means he's trustworthy. It means he possesses honesty and integrity always. Deuteronomy 32.4 says, He is a faithful God who does no wrong. God's constant in his love and his commitment to you. He never changes his mind because he's not human. Numbers 23, 19, 1 Samuel 15, 29. Why do we change our minds? Give me some answers. Why do you change your mind? You're not sure. <laughs> well, that, that, yeah, true. <laughs> but you might change it back circumstances so we respond to circumstances not to inner truth why do we why else do we change our minds you get more information boy that's a good one who said that oh yeah boy you get a gold star out there we get more information we improve in our character or we decline in our character you can change both directions right we get a new perspective we mature, which gives us a new perspective. Well, God can't get new information. God can't mature. God's not improving or declining. He's already perfect. He cannot change. It's who he is. Well, how do we know God's real? How do we know he's reliable? I mean, where do we get what we know about God? Yeah, there you go. Well, this thing, the most recent parts of this was written in the first century A.D. So we're looking at 2,000 years old for the most recent. The earliest parts were written 1,400 years before that. And they were, this book was written by about 40 authors on three different continents so how can it be reliable? I mean, it may be sewn together, but it's been written all over the place by different people in different places, in different situations and circumstances. And we didn't witness any of it. If you did, you're, you're a lot older than you look. <laughs> you say, well, I was taught to believe I grew up in a Christian family. I attended church regularly. Now, let me tell you, that's indispensable. Parents, 
your children shouldn't have a choice in this. And, and, and while I got a few amens out here, I'm going to keep going. Do not equate traveling sports teams with being disciplined in the faith. Learning, you know, attending children's ministry, attending student ministry, and you parents need to be, you need to know what your children are learning. Stand in that class a while. These are all good things that inform our faith. But spiritual faith and faithfulness come from where? The Spirit of God. Faith or faithfulness, and I'm using the two as synonyms, essentially, is from the Spirit of God. And when the Spirit of God regenerates you, you know what that means? What's regenerate mean? Born again. When the Spirit of God gives you new life, you begin a personal relationship with Him. John 3, 16. And when you have experienced God in a personal way, no one can convince you it's not real. Now, I'm going to tell you, a lot of people make a lot of decisions for sincere reasons. I'm not doubting sincerity. Sincerity doesn't equal regeneration. But I'm going to tell you this. If you have experienced God by the Holy Spirit, no one can talk you out of it. Likewise, the Spirit illuminates the Bible. Now, all the Bible's true. But now, who knows something in the Bible that you're not following? Who? Come on now, I know, I'm going to keep y'all here all day. Who knows some things in the Bible that you aren't following? Okay, wonder why not? Because it's true information. But it hasn't become illumination. When you're illuminated by it, now your thinking changes. See, you only live according to what you think. You only follow what you believe. Is there an exception to that? Never. There's no exception to it. You may know some information that you don't follow. It's never been illuminated to change you. You've never been transformed by it. Because when you are transformed by it, you can't be talked out of it. It's now the way you live. It's now what you do. So when the Spirit of God illuminates the Word of God, you know it's true. You know it's trustworthy. It's been revealed to you, 1 Corinthians 2.14. And then we see and confirm as its truth is worked out in our lives. The Holy Spirit gifts us with faith so we can believe truth which we then live out faithfully.
If following Christ, living by his word, is just an impossible task for you, you need to look a little deeper. Have you ever been born again? Have you been changed, transformed? You see the difference? Have you experienced the reality of God? Have you? Robert, you experienced the reality of God? Can I talk you out of it? Can I lead you somewhere else? How come? You know it, don't you? Are we faithfully pursuing him? Are we faithfully pursuing him? Faithfulness produces trust in God's promises. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. What promise? Well, you have to look in the context. Always look in the context. This, con- this is a specific promise there in Hebrews. And it refers specifically th- to forgiveness through Jesus' blood. Through his sacrifice. Now we trust what God says in the Bible. Even if our culture belittles it. Mocks it. Rejects it. You see the fruit of faith or faithfulness. That, produces, that is produced by the Spirit in us enables us to believe and to trust God's promises. The Bible contains many promises. They sell book of, books of promises. They're promises about God's identity. He's real. He's capable. He's holy. He's righteous. They're promises about salvation. He loves us. He wants a relationship with us. He sent his son to facilitate that through his son's death. His son's death was then credited to us so that we're completely forgiven. I mean, what sense does that make? If I do something, you're not credited with it. That's a huge promise. You see my point? We're declared righteous in his sight. Though we recognize imperfections in ourselves. That's a very, very daunting promise. In our lives. He's completely aware of our lives. He's working in our lives continually according to his will. He will never abandon you. Your suffering is not wasted. He works everything. Even bad and tragic circumstances for your good. If there's some conditions. You know what they are? If you love God and are called according to his purpose. But your life might be a wreck right now. So how can you believe? How can you have faith that God's got a plan and God's not abandoned you even though you're suffering? Faithfulness. About eternity, there's a place prepared for us to go after we die. But virtually everyone in our culture believes that, don't they? What does it take for for most of our culture to go to heaven? Die. Isn't that right? 
Belief that we'll be rewarded for our service that, and our sacrifice here on earth. And there's so many, many other promises. What promise of God is most important to you right now? Shout it out. Come on, y'all. I want everybody to figure out what promise am I relying on right now? And I want you to shout it out. One, two, three. Give it to me. Well, how do you know that's true? How can you have peace? How can you believe what's written in this book thousands of years ago? Are you deluded? You've been born again, and God has illuminated his word, so you believe it. That's faithfulness. That's faithfulness. It enables you to believe God's promises. And it enables you to encourage a few others along with you. You know, faith is interesting. There is not only a fruit of faith or faithfulness. There's also a spiritual gift of faith. 1 Corinthians 12, 9. And all the gifts are given to function in the body. So in other words, some of you have a gift of faith. A supernatural gift. Do you know that you have it? Let me see. I want to see who has it. In this, yeah, you go. In this room, there should be many in a church this size. Because all the gifts are functioning in a church. If they're functioning in a church. But some of you have them and you don't have any idea you have them. Because you know what? If you stand on a stump or sit in a chair all your life, you will never know what God's gifted you with. We are gifted to work in each other's lives. The person with the gift of faith has just an unusually strong ability to believe and the ability to encourage other people to believe. You know anybody like that? I think Mike Collins is like that. I think Jerry's like that. Who helps you believe? You see what I'm saying? It's a spiritual gift. It's a product of spiritual fruit. It functions in the body. I'm going to tell you what, folks. If hardship comes, we have got to get functioning in our Gifts and our fruit. Faithfulness is necessary, especially when God's promises aren't supported by what we see happening around us. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we live by believing, not by seeing. I'm going to add this. And believing is pistis again. We live by believing, not by listening to CNN and Fox News. Some of y'all walking around all depressed all the time. Don't you know that he who is within you is greater than the one that's in this world? And Lord, some of y'all would rather fall at the altar of Fox News. Or, and don't get all self-righteous on me. CNN isn't a smidgen better. We live by believing not by seeing. And believing's more real 
than seeing. Because the Bible I read says this earth and everything in it is passing away. And that includes all the news networks. (laughs) Certain belief in God's promises will provide you comfort and hope. Especially in hard times. Anybody got a witness on that? Anybody ever suffered and God sustained you? You know what I'm talking about? Everything around you looked bleak. But was God, did he leave you down, let you go? Held you up. When God's ways are hidden, and you know what? Sometimes God hides his hand from you. Do you know that? Isaiah 45, 15. When evil strikes, when hardships come, and we've seen evil even this past week. Terrible tragedies. When hardships come, and they don't come one in a blue moon. They come one after the other. They're just falling down. That's when you need the Spirit to produce the fruit of faithfulness in you. So you can believe and trust. Hebrews 11.1, this is what faith is. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. Faith is believing in unseen certainties. See, what we can't see should be more controlling of our lives than what we can see in our situations and circumstances, and certainly in our culture. So what guides your life? We trust God's promises because we know him personally. So we trust him like Abraham did. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. Now, what was, what was the promise to Abraham? He was going to have lots of kids. Nations would come from him. Spring from his loins. He was going to be the father of many nations. How old was he? A hundred. A hundred years old. And he didn't take any Viagra. And don't send me notes on that. That's a true application. Because some of y'all want to say, oh, well, he wasn't old like we are, like we are at a hundred. Yes, he was. He said in the scripture, my body's dead. He said his wife's body, her was dead too. How old was she? 90, tried delivering one at 90. I'm not exaggerating this. And it says, in fact, his faith grew. What's that word? You don't believe that. He's 100 years old. He can't be having any children. His wife's 90. How can she carry one at that age, for goodness sakes? And in this, he brought glory to God. Because he wasn't controlled by what he saw. He was controlled by what he believed. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Are you? Are you? And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. 
See what this faith is? I don't, sometimes, somehow we have metamorphosized faith into being something I do and I get to be proud of. My faith is always believing God can do what he says. Even if I can't do what I say. That's faith. And we believe Greek pistis, God's promises, because we trust pistis, God. Do you trust in God's promises? Does that belief direct your life? Does it control your decisions, your actions? See, if you really believe it, it will be the controlling factor in your life. You know, we say, well, this wasn't like me. You know that. I always tell y'all that. Well, I behaved this way, but it wasn't like me. Well, no, it was just like you. You always do what you believe to be true. Is that true? Is that right? And so when the Spirit changes you, Laura, you can't be anything but what He's changed you into. Because it's now your identity. It's who you are. You know, we think, oh, Christianity is such a struggle. You haven't been changed then. If we've been changed by the Spirit, it ought not have to be that, right? It's just now who you are. Isn't that right? It's your identity. Fullness is also practiced by believers. Faithfulness is living in the way God wants, I'm just repeating myself, in every area of our lives. Luke 16, 10, look at this. If you're faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. If you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. What are little things? wonder what the little things are. How about always telling the truth? How about avoiding white lies to escape social discomfort? Is that a little thing? It's a little thing that reveals who you are. What about telling your parents, kids, only part of the truth? What about distorting or exaggerating facts to impress others? What about claiming credit for something You barely contributed to. Little things. Little things. Everybody right now, ask God, what are the little things in my life that you're looking at? Ask him. You might be surprised with the answer. But some of you wonder, why hasn't God used me in greater ways? What would you do with the little things? Why hasn't God done more in my life? Well, are you dishonest with the little things? Why would he give you the bigger things? What's the little things? Some of you say, well, I'm kind of stalled out. I'm not amounting to much in my Christian life. You know, I just got to pass into heaven. What are you doing with the little things? Some of us are stalled out. Verse 11, and if you're untrustworthy, guess what Greek word, pistis, about worldly wealth, who will trust you with riches from heaven? Trust you again, pistuo, that's the verb. 
And if you're not faithful with other people's things, notably God's, why should you be trusted with things of your own? What resources has God given you? Y'all name them, shout them to me. Life, house, possessions, help, children, keep it coming. Somebody finally said money. Some of y'all, some of y'all know it was money and you refused to say it. That's right. I want to witness on that one. Well, my bicycle. I'll let anybody in my neighborhood ride it. As long as they don't get it dirty. What about the money God's given you? What about the time you have? What about the energy? What about the talents? What about the abilities God's given you? Well, I want more. I'm not going to sing at the nursing home. I got to sing on the big stage. You better sing in the nursing home. That's the little thing. You be faithful in the little thing he's given you. We'll see what happens next. Some of us despise the little things, don't we? Some of us don't give at all. And we wonder, well, I just can't afford to give. You can't afford not to. You want God to give you more responsibility? Maybe even more money. Come off the hip. Give up the time. Right now, how are you spending your life? If your life, your energy, your resources, your... Why would you expect more? When we act in ways that aren't consistent with God's character or ways that are inconsistent with our identity in Jesus Christ, you know what that's called? Sin. Sin's just missing the mark. Sin is not being who you were called and claimed and adopted to be. Romans 14, 23. When temptation arises, do we respond faithfully to temptation by resisting it? Do we rely on God to provide a way of escape? Y'all know this passage. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Do y'all, you don't believe that, do you? Who, who, come on, somebody tell me you've got a temptation that nobody else has. All of them are ordinary. And God's faithful. He will not allow temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So what this is saying is Christians should never think they have no other options than sinful ones. There will always be a solution that does not require disobedience to God's word if we will faithfully take it. Now, let me give you a caveat. See, we're, we put ourselves in some circumstances that we can't get out of easily. Is that right? I didn't say, and this verse didn't say, you get out easily. 
there might be some pain coming to get out. Well, I bet I'm having an affair with that one. How can I leave that one and go back to this one? I'm going to hurt this one. We already heard that one. So I'll be, there's going to be some pain. There's going to be some humiliation. There, there will be some suffering sometimes. God said you can escape it without sinning. He didn't say you can escape it without pain, embarrassment, humiliation, suffering. Did he? Our faithfulness also relies on God to comfort us when we're suffering. 1 Peter 4. So if you're suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what's right. And trust your lives to God who created you. For he will never fail you. The more literal is the trust your life to the faithful creator. Yes, you're suffering. But you can still entrust your life in the midst of pain. Doesn't mean he always removes it, but he'll never abandon you in it. By faith, we know that God has not, will not fail us. Because God is faithful. So come. Baptism's at 2 p.m. It'll be at South Campus today. So I urge you to come. This week, remember, God is faithful. And I can be faithful as well to him. Thank you for coming. You have a good day. Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience transformed life. If you have any questions about this message or you would like to request prayer, we encourage you to visit our website at brookwoodchurch.org forward slash get help. You can also find our message archives on our website or on our Brookwood app. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed day.